Welcome to On Texas Football, the Inside Texas post-game show. I'm joined by Rod Babers, former Longhorn, uh, former NFL player. There you go. Uh, first game of the year, the Longhorns win, 52-10. to 10. Uh, Rod, what'd you think, bud? Uh, my score prediction, I believe, was 52-13, somewhere around there. So I was close, man. I, 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 was, I was right on there. But uh, there was a lot to unpack. I, there were some things that I liked. I'm very critical. So there's some things that uh, I was um, – you know, I, I was a very, I would just say that I was displeased with, and then we can get on with it. But 52 to 10, you can't complain about a win that is uh, that dominant. No, you cannot. I, I before yeah. we get going, I first of all, we're going to take your questions in this show. We're going to talk about who are we think the players of the game were, uh, some things that we both noticed uh, during the game. Uh, because I, I think Rod and I both like to do that, go a little bit further or a little bit deeper, maybe, than just the big plays. There you go, nice. notes. Um, But before we do that, we want to say the postgame show is brought to you by Laura Allen, an Austin realtor. Uh, She's with Keller Williams and the Andy Allen team. Uh, They can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, uh, but a Longhorn real estate expert uh, there in the capital city. Uh, Laura, really uh, kind enough to uh, help bring uh, not only myself, but also Rod to the air and uh, have people here with you talking uh, Texas football. Uh, 52 to 10 uh, tonight, the Longhorns defeat Louisiana Monroe. Rod, it rained buckets during the day today, uh, but it dried up and it was nice during the game. I, I thought that the the weather held off there at the end and, and really made it for a nice kind of a little bit cooler uh, night than normal. Uh, but really, I think all eyes to start this game were on Quinn Ewers. Yep. And so I want to start with that one. First start as a Longhorn. What did you think? Um, I thought it was a satisfactory performance, right? Uh, I expect to see, uh, I remember my man Kieran, shout out to uh, Kieran, always talking about Quinn Ewers throwing them bombs. Uh, we didn't get to see the bombs that we wanted to see, right? We did see him start to, and this is what I actually liked about the performance. Even though early on we saw some of the struggles, um, the, the deep ball didn't work through the interception early, and then Sark was able to get him calmed down All right. Able to get him working within the framework of the offense. Saw him working the short to intermediate game. Got him in a groove. Got him in a rhythm. Got him in some quick game. And that honestly, to me, was it was very reassuring because at times we know the growing pains are going to happen. A guy hadn't played football in two years. They're going to happen. It's inevitable. Um, But I'm glad that him and Sark have that compatibility, kind of how my wife can calm me down. All right. And get me, <laughs> get me, get me in the groove when I need to be in the groove, when I'm out of whack, when I'm out of line, when I'm, when things are off track. I, I like that him and Sark see, I, I saw it in that game. I saw him and Sark, him and Sark have that compatibility where, oh no, no, I see you're out, you're out of line. I see you're off track. I can get you back in the groove. You know what Sark talked about in the preseason that I totally agree with. He said Quinn didn't have a long-term memory. And that's what it felt like, right? He he definitely started shaky. Uh, threw two balls, really, that shouldn't have been thrown right in a row to start the game. One, uh, he didn't see the safety coming from the opposite hash. The second one, uh, he just, I mean, that's a bad throw. Should have never thrown it, right? Um, but then he then he calmed down. And I tell you what, there are a couple of throws tonight. I don't know that about that about you, but that one up the seam on third down to Jatavian Sanders, I didn't. I, I was writing. I was texting the crew at Inside Texas. I didn't see a seam. I didn't see a window to get that ball in. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but 
it was a uh, fantastic throw. Uh, Ewers was a really tremendous uh, overall, I thought, once he got uh, going. Uh, yep. I do want to bring in uh, at some point soon here, Tommy Yarish. He was at the game as well tonight. Uh, we're going to bring him in for some stats. Uh, but Quinn finishes 16 of 24, 225 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. So that means he went 23 or 22 passes in a row without a without a pick. Got going. Jatavian Sanders, Rod. Let's talk about him. Maybe the player, the offensive player of the game, finishes the uh, leading receiver for the team with six catches. I mean, let's let's break it down, Bobby. You've been watching Texas football for a long time, me as well. And was the last time a tight end led the team in receiving in the game? I I, I I've been racking my brain. I got I haven't done haven't had time to do the research, but we got to be going back to either Jermichael Finley's days or Bo Scaife, Dave Thomas days. Right, David Thomas. Sorry, not Dave Tom, David Thomas. Sorry, not the Wendy's guy. But uh, David So You know, we got to be talking about that type of period. And, I mean, that's, to me, Sark has said numerous times that the tight end is the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. And a lot of Longhorn fans think that it's coach speak. And this may be the game, actually, where that didn't look like coach speak. It actually looked like, and maybe it's just the fact that Jatavian Sanders, who Sark says is the most improved player in the offseason, also has the best hands on the team. Maybe he and Quinn Ewers, maybe they got a thing going on. Maybe this is a bromance, all right? The beginning of a, you know, Colt McCoy, Jordan Shipley relationship. I'd love to see what's the last quarterback wide receiver bromance we had. I think that was it. This would be great if this was happening. So hopefully uh, that's the case if we can resurrect the tight end position on the 40 acres because it's been a long time since we had a tight end uh, that had a skill set as expansive as JT Sanders. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it, there's nothing like a security blanket for a, for a quarterback. You, a young when, Hey, Casey Thompson, when he lost Jordan Whittington last year, all of a sudden he, he became a different quarterback. Um, uh, they need somebody uh, to do it. All right, I'm going to bring Tommy Yarish in. Uh, Tommy was uh, at the game as well. Uh, Tommy, you're reporting there from the stadium right now. Uh, got you live. Uh, talk, talk about Quinn Ewers' night there uh, at DKR. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Rod. Good to be with you guys. Yeah, Quinn, uh, about what you would expect in his first start. A little bit of a shaky start there to go over to with the interception on the first drive. But then the next 22 passes looked great from him. He finished 18 for 24 with 225 yards and the two touchdowns. But really, I think the big part about the offense tonight, Coach Sark in the past has talked about making this first game really easy for Quinn and playing to his strengths. And you could tell that that was the offensive game plan all night long. They loved the little screen passes short to guys like B. John Robinson. And then I, the guy that I really was excited about, and I know you touched on him a little bit, Bobby, Jatavion Sanders, by far the best receiver tonight for the Longhorns, finished with six catches and I think 86 yards uh, with a touchdown. And that Ewers to Sanders connection is going to be one that Texas fans are going to have to get used to because those two got along really well tonight. And I think Quinn's best throw was to Sanders over the middle. He fitted in a really tight gap, and Jatavion made a really nice play on it afterwards. All right. Hey, Tommy, what was the, I was there, but I want you to try to describe the atmosphere uh, for folks who weren't that are watching this, watching us here at home. Uh, just a lot of excitement. You know, it's the first game of the season, uh, sitting in the student section, and everybody was really excited. You know, it was the same level of energy uh, on a two-yard gain to a 20-yard to a gain. These, these students are really excited. You could tell there was a lot of buzz around the stadium, and especially when, when Quinn entered the game for the first time, 
uh, they, they were they were pretty happy to see him out there wearing the burnt orange. All right, Tommy, we'll get back to you a little bit later. Talk a little defense. Uh, Rod, you remember those days when you were a little bit younger, <laughs> don't you? Uh, it was one of those things where uh, I tell you what, when you get when you're that age and in the student section, life's pretty good. But uh, to, to that point, Rod, special teams, Keelan Robinson and Deshaun Jamison connected for a punt block and uh, recovery for a touchdown. Longhorns got up 7-0 on special teams. What's a great quote? I mean, special teams was, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, right? For special teams, it was, it was both. It was, it was, it, it was a tale of, of two different phases, man. I mean, you had the uh, kind of the botched, uh, you know, kick the field goal that ended up, you know, being kicked awry. And then you had the, oh man, that was a great uh, play by the punter though, uh, where he botched the actual punt, but then ended up actually getting it off. That was great. But even Jeff Banks pointed out this season that he's never in his tenure. And I think Jeff Banks, by the way, is a hell of a coach. Just personally, I think he's a hell of a special teams coach, man. We already know he's a rainmaker when it comes to recruiting. I think he's a real good coach. You go look at that punt block where Deshaun Jameson blocks the punt. Go look at that group. I went in. I'm a, I'm a nerd, so I went and wrote it down here, the actual uh, group as it was. Okay, so this is the punt the punt return unit, right, as it, that's, as it, it was laid out on that punt block. You got uh, Gilbo, Overshone, Keaton Crawford, uh, who Bijan Robinson says is one of the four fastest guys on the team. I asked Bijan put together a four by one, and who are the owns a four by one? He put Keaton Crawford on there. So you're talking about legit speed. Michael Taff, Taff Daddy, as we like to call him, Anthony Cook, Deshaun Jamison, and he was playing in basically at the, the basically you're talking about right over the 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 A gap. He's basically in the A gap right there. Uh, and they have him and Rojo and Jay Witt and Jet Bush and Keelan Robinson. That was the group on that punt block. So you got elite athletes across the board they're playing. I mean, you're talking about NFL players, but some of the best athletes on the team. That's how it was when Coach Aquino was on campus when I played. We had some of the best athletes on the team on our punt return. And that's why Nathan Basher, Nasty Nate had great punt returns back then and guys like Selvin Young. So I love that they're playing elite guys on the special teams, but I'll also say that I think it's a mixed bag. And um, I think you'll get the best uh, and the worst of Texas football on special teams this year just because you have so much inexperience. I got to say this about the punt game. So Isaac Pearson, uh, we spent a lot of, lot of the post, our preseason talking about him uh, not being, being the punter from Australia, first football game in front of a big crowd, first time. Well, he was also the holder, Rod, um, in the first wow. half. So yeah. he's the holder. <laughs> he's the holder that muffed the, the 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 field goal try at the end of the first half. I didn't realize that. And then he was the one wow. that muffed the punt, the punt catch. Um, <laughs> and I got to say this now. This is I, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say anything funny, but Isaac Pearson was replaced at the as the holder by Hudson Card. <laughs> and then there's a punter by Daniel Trejo. When you can't catch and it's your job to catch first, uh, that's one of those things. I get the feeling they're going to work a little bit on that uh, in practice this uh, this week. Uh, yeah. But, Trust uh, me, I'm a we'll guy that can't catch, so I'm not, I'm not judging. I can't catch either. As long as yeah. I'm not judging, guys. I've never seen a guy lose two jobs in one night before in one quarter. He lost the punter. He lost the holder's job. He lost the punter's job. 
at the same time, <laughs> wishing the best. I mean, it, it's all in fun here. After oh, a big man. win, Texas Pitt wins 52 to 10. Yeah. Um, surprises of the defense for you. What did you think of it? Not don't go surprises first. Okay. Because I this is what I felt like being there tonight. I felt I saw a more complete defense. Um, they tackled better, I thought. I didn't saw I didn't see a lot of missed assignments. Um, I just now is ULM a great offense? No. That don't don't get me wrong here. I saw a more complete defensive performance tonight. I saw better run tack, run run fits, especially at linebacker. Uh, Tucker Dorsey and and Ford are ready to play uh, as as true inside backers. And you know, I only saw him give up the edge a couple times. Um, yeah. I, I what did you think? No, no. Yeah, what, I, what did you think? Of my that? notes reflect the exact same thing. I uh, I said uh, the they're more physical. And I, I and I mean that on the back seven, right when guys caught the ball, uh, they were delivering. Guys were delivering a pop. Um, and I love the young man Jalen Gilbo. Glad that he played early. I see why they played him early. He's aggressive, right? And they need that. I love the pursuit to the football. To me, that shit pursuit shows passion, and passion is about pride. And to me, what you saw from the defense initially is just overall more pride in the in the product. Pride in workmanship, pride in craftsmanship. I saw guys paying attention more to detail. Yeah, there's some, I mean, there's still a lot to work on, trust me. And they'll be tested as we know next week. Uh, but overall, Bobby, you're right about that. I, I saw it was more crisp, right? Per, pursuit angles to the football. The effort to the football was better. And I think that's because they had new personnel. Guys like Sorrell, guys like Gilbo. Uh, you know, I think they played a lot of guys. And I think it showed that those guys are still – there's still a lot of competition happening on that roster. Um, and I, I like what I saw from the defense in terms of just the first game of the season. We know they got to grow a lot, obviously, from game one to game two. But the things that haunted – I was surprised I didn't see more deep balls from Louis Adam Monroe and maybe because they didn't have time. And if they didn't have time, that is also a step in the right direction because last year teams had way too much time against Texas to complete those deep passes. I, I think I'm not I'm not so sure that the two defensive players of the game weren't Baron Sorrell, Jalen Gilbo. I mean I I you could, Baron, I mean, Baron Sorrell had two sacks, Rod. Yeah, he did. Um, he had two team, sacks. Got after the quarterback. Team leader, Bobby, the team team leader last year had two and a half. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> we're looking up. <laughs> We're looking up, but my my <laughs> point my point to that though, Rod, is um, young kids, I, I kids I shouldn't say called 18, 19 year old guys kids, but young guys getting after it a little bit. Gilbo and, and you know what, Jade Barron, I'm not so sure he was injured or if Gilbo was just starting, um, because Gilbo has some suddenness to him that maybe Barron doesn't. Like Barron, I think is fat, maybe faster outright. But you know what I'm talking about. You can be fast, but not twitchy, right? Sometimes. Yep. And um, I think Gilbo was a little. And really rushed a bootleg pass um, on the guy. You, you, and you don't, you remember which one I'm talking about? A, a slower guy or a guy that doesn't accelerate as fast. That's a completed pass probably for seven yards and a first down. Well, I'll just say this for Gilbo. I remember being a young player myself. He's decisive. Young players usually aren't that decisive. 
he's very decisive. Like he believes what he sees, whether it's based on his film study, based on instinct, not even sure, maybe both, uh, but he's really decisive. So you're right. It looks like he is, he's a beeline every time he makes a decision to the football. I think they got two nickelbacks, which means basically you have a, a good dying package. Also six DBs. If you're really confident, if you play what we talk about in the big 12, Bobby, you play so many hybrid spread teams, so many different types of offenses. You'll play Iowa state who wants to break off 13 personnel with three tight ends, K state with two, two, two backs in the backfield. You're going to play air raid offenses. It's great to have different combinations of, of different defenders so that you can match up with all those different offenses. Uh, Rod and I want to thank uh, Laura Baker, uh, Laura is with Keller Williams and the Andy Andy Allen team. Uh, they can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Uh, Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Uh, she is. Uh, I've talked to her a couple of times. Her her um, football crush growing up was none other than Earl Campbell. By the way, so she's, <laughs> she's, uh, she's that that speaks to. I'm just going to say that this that speaks to my own personal. Um, uh, self-awareness. That's that's my 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 uh, 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 genre, I guess is the best way to put it. But Laura Baker uh, with the Andy Allen team of Keller Williams Real Estate. Thank you all so much for joining us. Almost a thousand people here right after the show. That's awesome. Uh, we really enjoyed it tonight. Um, Rod, anything else that you want to talk about that just shot off the, the, the map to you today uh, watching the team? Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Um, well, you know what? Just watching, if I was talking about the team overall, um, I will point out that, you know, it, it look, they look like a, a, a faster team overall, just offensively and defensively. Um, they look like a deeper team. You know, think about the roster turnover. What Sark say? 40% of the roster he's already turned over. Um, you know, you talk, you're talking about maybe 60% of the roster that's freshmen and sophomores. Uh, he's done a ton of turning over on this roster, whether it be through the transfer portal and playing a lot of young guys. They look like, you know, it, it's a deeper team just coming off of a five and seven season. I understand that. But the team looks deeper. We just talked about it. they got two nickelbacks now. You got two nickelbacks. Hell, last year I wasn't sure if you had one. And now you got two. You know, now you got two and, and you got I think you're deeper in a lot of different positions. So I, I do like that about the team. I'll say this also uh, just the initial, um, you know, kind of the first game and just my initial take. Uh, I do think the defense is going to be better. Uh, the fact that you got two sacks from Brian Sorosh, you end up with three sacks overall. Was it three sacks? 
I, was I think there's definitely three because of Keandre got one. Keandre got one too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, one of my measuring sticks, Bobby, was ULM allowed 3.12 sacks last year. All right, they were they were a really bad subpar offensive line. Um, and I, I said if Texas can't get at least three sacks in this game, I'm going to be concerned. I'll be really really concerned because to me that would that 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 be a red alert possibly. Um, that Texas wasn't heading in the right direction when it came to creating pressure. Like you didn't have that guy. You weren't developing natural pass rushers on the off, on the defensive line. I think you did. I saw pressure. I saw the pocket collapse a lot of the time. And so I'll, I'll say that, you know, I do think they're headed in the right direction on the defensive line and maybe they can create organic pressure. One of their pressures was the result of a blitz. I know that. But I think the other two actually that we saw – uh, were organic pressure with just the four man front, and they, they, yeah. had a, they had twisting games up front. Yep, yeah, I really like the Sorrell. Somebody's mentioning, uh, by the way, uh, the fact that Baron Sorrell's dad has been on our chats a couple times and predicted two sacks for his son in this game. <laughs> I think, I think, is that he real? Up right. Are you <laughs> up? Is that What's a real that? thing? Is that a yeah, real he really thing? Did. Yes. Wow. It, it actually oh, happened. So that's a, that, yeah, that's exactly right, Rod. That is that's a great thing. Um, I was interested in what they did with some other some other um, rush packages. They got Demarvian Overshone outside on the uh, edge quite a bit. Um, they you know they played Ethan Burke a lot in the second half, and they used him as a spy. I saw they that. lined him up almost at a middle linebacker spot, not once but four or five times, Rod. On third and third and sevens, and I was like, "Huh, that's an interesting position for him," um, yeah. because you know you think he's going to be better coming off the edge because he's tall and angular. But I tell you what, I, one of the guys that I was sitting with uh, that was uh, talking, he came up with a great point. You know, Ethan Burke as a spy against Spencer Sanders might be a good idea down uh, the road. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know what I mean? Because he's yeah. longer, a little bit less likely to get. I mean, so as you look at that, it's interesting. Um, not a big night for Xavier Worthy, by the way, as a receiver. But he did affect the punt return game. He had a really nice return. Uh, and uh, Whittington, uh, solid game. Nothing spectacular. But I, w- I will say this about the receivers. No drops. You remember a drop? I cannot remember a drop, actually. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, and, I, you know, that's a great point. This is what I like about – you bring up, bring up X-Man, and he wasn't really a weapon as a receiver. But I like that Jatavian Sanders, specifically before the Bama game, that he was the first, you know, leading receiver at, for Texas at the tight end position, probably, like I said, probably since either Jermichael Finley or – David Thomas or Bo Scaife. We just don't know which one. We know it's one of those three guys, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, when you lost Isaiah Nayor, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to bring up negative stuff while we're celebrating the victory, but when you lost Isaiah Nayor, in my opinion, I believe that Steve Sarkeesian was planning on presenting the defense with a mathematical equation they could not solve, right? And that football in its rudimentary form is just a mathematical equation, right? 11 guys on 11 guys. And we're playing chess with these 11 guys. And when you have to put eight, you have to stack the box to stop Bijan, which you got to do, right? 
my new motto for 2022 is put some Bijan on it, right? If uh, Quinn Ewers throws an interception, put some Bijan on it. Offensive line can't block, put some Bijan on it. He's the answer. The answer is always put some Bijan on it, man, more of that. So you got to stop Bijan. So you got to stack the box to stop him. And you also got to double X-Man. We know that because X-Man, he can beat one-on-one coverage really easily. And then he was going to contend, he was going to, you know, basically have my man Isaiah Nayor and have him be the factor that forces the, the defense to put a safety over the top, which, as you know, mathematically, that's impossible. You can't double X-Man, stack the box, and put a safety over the top of Isaiah Nayor. You can't do it. Well, you lost Isaiah Nayor, so you lost the chance to present the defense with that, you know, incalculable mathematical equation. But JT Sanders. If JT Sanders is a factor that you have to account for defensively and allocate resources there, how are you going to stack the box, also double X-man, and defend JT Sanders with just a linebacker? That's probably considered impossible for most defensive coordinators here, unless you've got a really new age defensive linebacker like a Malcolm Rodriguez from last year or one of those types of players right? Most defenses don't have it. So I think maybe he's trying to present JT Sanders as that guy too, or naturally he's becoming that third factor to account for. I have to give you another one, Rod, uh, that uh, caught my eye was you're right. Texas is up, uh, had, had gone up second series. Sark, you said you made this point early. They let it come to them a little bit and pushed Bijan on it. Yep. And then got got that allowed um, Sark uh, to to start after he pushed um, pushed Bijan. Then it started opening things up. And then when Quinn hit that wide open Jatavian Sanders for the touchdown, yep. that led that then the floodgates were like, okay, we got a little mix here. We put enough Bijan in it. Now we got it's starting to open up everything else. You know what I was interested in about that that touchdown pass to Jatavian, and I and I'm not I. I this is another thing I was thinking about, and I want to hear your talk thought on it. Jatavian wasn't the only one that was open on that play. No, the underneath tight end was open too. And, and, and now tell me something. Now this is you as a DB, okay? When I saw that, I could not believe that he hit the the, the deeper tight end on that. Great point. Do you it's agree? Tough with that? No, it's it's, tough that that's exactly right. Yeah. Usually, you just take the dump. Right, and yep. take the dump down, get the first down. No, right. he, he, I, I was like, wait a minute, he saw that, and that was pretty darn good for a freshman quarterback because most right. freshman quarterbacks, hey, I got to get the ball out of my hands. I need it. I need to get it gone, and he would have gotten a first down. Gunnar Helm would have got a first grant, a first first down. Right. Yep. But there's no doubt that the Jatavian Sanders was a touchdown, and he hit him. Another one that I loved uh, that Quinn did, and I think the the fake play that he's talking about Quinn, it was a third down or a fourth down. I can't remember which And Quinn kind of uh, got pushed out of the pocket and moved up into it on, on the left-hand side of the field rod. And he waited yeah. for the lineman to commit to him and dumped it down to, to Jatavian for about a 20 yeah. plus yard gain. That's, that's not something a lot of freshman quarterbacks do either. And that, um, it's, it's crazy. I remember that play specifically. And I believe it was a third down, if I'm not mistaken. He had the fourth down one, too. That was earlier in the game to JT. Um, but I think the one you talk about, that big long gainer, was a third down. And he was so – this is the thing I thought was cool about it, Bobby, how relaxed he was. He didn't look 
like he was flustered. He didn't look like he was panicked because you're right. He was he was moving and he was actually reacting split second real time, but he didn't panic. And it almost went with his personality, his disposition. They they asked, um, you know, Quinn Ewers, what's, what's his X-Man ability? Like, what, what do you think is the thing that you do as well or better than everybody else? He said, man, I'm just even killed. I never get too high. I never get too low. You know, no matter if it's a great play or a bad play, I don't get up. I don't get too down. I'm just, you know, that guy. And I, I love the fact that he did not look shaken or rattled in that moment. It was a very relaxed emotion to JT. And, it, it, and JT just, boom, kept, caught it and then made the big play. I love that about him because that is infectious. That's infectious. Other guys, they will start to feel that. No, we don't get rattled. That's that type of leadership. If it's, if it's, not, if it's not vocal, I love that it's by example. I, I tell you what, uh, good playing tonight uh, in regard. I felt like they started to find something on offense. I got to say, though, Bijan made, made some guys just look silly at times. Rod, he can he can cut on a dime. I mean, and it, you're not supposed to do that at 220 pounds, where he literally. I mean, he 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 was in short space. He was in a telephone booth, and the guy and in the red zone, in the in, uh, you know, goal to go, and the guy literally was a, a foot away from him or a yard away from, him, and the guy didn't even touch him. Did you see? I mean, yeah. I was like, that's just not that's not normal. Um, you know. <laughs> You've been yeah. watching football a long time, Bobby. Hey, Rashawn Johnson came in, um, and I was I was happy that he got to play after hurting his ankle uh, pretty yeah. severely. Jonathan Brooks with a nice touchdown run. Woo. He's um, special. Yeah. He's special, yeah. too. So I think that you don't get – the thing about um, Jonathan Brooks uh, that I've noticed is you don't get a square hit on him. Uh, and he, he always makes it back to the line of scrimmage. Because he makes the first guy miss. Um, yep. Those guy, I will tell you this: guys like that end up cashing a pro paycheck. Um, because in the NFL, it's about trying to just make one guy miss to make three yards or four yards or even two yards instead of zero yeah. <laughs> or negative one. And yeah. I was impressed by him too. Um, what do you think of the offensive line? That was a big question mark. What did you think of him overall? Do not, do not include the second team offensive line in this because. That's a different story, but the first team offensive line. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm I'm incomplete right now. I think offensive line is one of those. I think on the first watch, it's tough. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think it's tough to judge them on the first watch, uh, especially and just because of the reason you just brought up previously. The the running backs are so elite that going back and judging them just on rushing production isn't fair because there's. Man, nobody is better in the country at forcing missed tackles than B. John Robinson. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And honestly, Rojo is right up there with him. Rojo is in the same category. They're re- they're great. That's why I said I, my new motto is put some Bijan on it. You don't need great offensive line blocking for Bijan Robinson. He's that good. 
He doesn't need elite rush blocking. He really doesn't. Or he's just that he's that elite where he can find those really small, skinny slivers of daylight. And then to him, they're just, they're huge. Um, so I, like, my thing about Bijan is this. If Bijan is not either a Heisman Trophy finalist or a national award winner or the first running back drafted, one of those three, it should be more, but if one of those three, if he's not one of those three, something went horribly wrong. I'm going to knock on wood here, but something went horribly wrong because he is so ridiculously talented. We're talking about, we don't want to say it, Bobby. We don't want to say it. You know, we don't, but he is maybe more talented than one of the, one of the three, four greatest running backs in Texas football history. We just don't want to say it just yet. We don't know. We don't know. It ain't that the story's not done yet. That is such a big, I mean, you know, he is. I time he may be that talented. That's what I say. I said talent. That's what I said talent. I don't know okay. about production wise. Okay, I think I you talent. know there's a talent. little something that uh, there's some guys that have had a little something. I like, know exactly. I, I I'm just gonna I mean whether that I mean Ricky and uh, Earl had some. Ricky and Earl are separate. Uh, Ricky okay. and Earl are separate. But, but you got said me, and you know you got Rosa Rosie. Right. Yeah, great. I mean, I know, I know this. Trust me, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. I, I, I just have to get mad at me. <laughs> we, we, I, you know what? They, you know what? You know what? Bijan needs. You know what? I. You know what? Bijan needs. He needs some wins. Because yeah. those, those other guys produce some wins. Amen, bro. And, I, and I'm not trying to. I'm not putting. Obviously, you can't put that all on a running back. I mean, I'm. I'm not trying to to say That's that. Real. But but I, I feel like if he. He's on a, a like a Ricky team, Ricky senior year, where they go to the Cotton Bowl and win it. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? That's a different. That's that's lifting your team up a little bit more. Um, I agree. And, uh, anyways, I, I want to say this: the post game show is brought to you by uh, accomplished Austin realtor Laura Baker. Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams uh, can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert and a friend of uh, both Rod and I here helping us out, uh, making this all a possibility for us. Uh, hey, Rod, I want to ask you uh, some other things. But before I do that, I want to try to get Tommy Yarish in again. He's oh, he's he's at the stadium. Uh, let's talk to him a little bit. Uh, Tommy, you still got you got some stats you want to talk about with the, uh, the defense right now? Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about defense. Uh, first of all, uh, I think you guys already talked about him a lot, but Baron Sorrell, man was absolutely incredible out there. The two sacks that you mentioned, and Rod, you touched on how the team leader a year ago had just two and a half, and Sorrell in one night is already over halfway there, and he was great. He was great coming off the edge. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what Texas has needed, especially defensively last year. You knew that the guy at edge is really what would have helped the defense so much, and if Sorrell can play like he's played tonight, it's going to be a big difference maker for this Texas defense. But another big good point that Rod made that I want to touch on was the emergence of Jalen Gilbo. He was absolutely incredible there at that spur position is what they have it listed on the depth chart. He was making plays left and right, and even on that first drive caused the incompletion that forced ULM to, to punt the ball away. And that was on a pretty solid receiver too. I, I don't remember his name, but he had a lot of catches uh, tonight for ULM. So those two defensively. And then one guy that you guys didn't touch on that I was shocked you didn't, DeMarvion Overshone was flying everywhere. He was at the ball every play. You know, if the quarterback decided to roll out right, uh, he, he was right there with him. And 
as I see in the chat now, two tackles for loss. Just an outstanding game from by far the best player that Texas has uh, defensively. I, I thought it was interesting. I think I think this is a great, great point, Rod. And I want to get you and Tommy to talk about this a little bit. When you put DeMarvion more in a chase position where he has an angle, as opposed to having to, to make the angle for himself by reading blocks. Yeah. Um, it, he's a different player. And yeah. he showed that. He looked – there was one time he blew – on the goal line. Uh, they they had a perfect fake fake to the to the uh, uh, running back and the the the, the, uh, the quarterback was just going to boot out and it was going to be an easy touchdown uh, and Demarvian just swallowed him. He looked like Spider Man, literally. Like he jumped on it, shot his web, and the guy went down. Um, and so, I, Tom, you bring up a good one, uh, no doubt. Uh, yeah. He played well. I I felt like what was great about that, Tommy, was he also played in a number of different positions. Um, one more, one more question for you, Tommy. Uh, Gilbo uh, and, and those guys, Gilbo, Deshaun Jameson had a pick six. Any other guys on defense that stuck out to you? Yeah, really the whole defensive line was out there putting good pressure on. I like the snaps where Diamante Tucker Dorsey was put in there. He, we had a lot of good things here. Um, excuse me. We heard a lot of good things about him uh, from training camp, the transfer from James Madison. And he was incredible out there as well when he hit the field. Uh, Pete Kwiatkowski has talked all summer about how they want to defend a little bit tighter uh, in the secondary, and they showed that as well. I think the safeties, uh, Jaron Thompson was great tonight. Not a lot of looks his way. Um, Ryan Watts, when he was out there, was really good along the outside. I don't think he had a catch on him uh, at all today, so he was, he was great, the Ohio State transfer. So really the secondary look on the linebacker core was really what stood out to me. Uh, Tom, thank you for, for uh, reporting for us. I know the guys uh, at Inside Texas and on Texas Football appreciate your work. Uh, you'll, you'll hear more from Tommy, uh, maybe not tonight, but uh, later this week. Rod, I want to go back to you thanks, now Tommy. and talk a little bit. Uh, thanks, Tommy. Thanks, guys. Uh, yep. Uh, I wanted to talk to you, Rod, a little bit uh, about the defense and reading too much into it. Um, because uh, yeah. the, I, 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 I was going to say this. Go Alabama ahead. comes to town next week, and I'm getting ready to drop a stat that's kind of scary. You know, much, you know how many total yards Alabama had in the first half against Utah State tonight? Give it to me. 350. <laughs> first half. First half. <laughs> yeah. Did Bryce Young even play? Did he even play in the second half? Did they even I put don't Bryce know. I, I, was, I, was at, I was at the Texas game, obviously. I just looked at the half. Somebody sent me uh, – Jerry Hamilton sent me the halftime stats. Yeah. And I just yeah. like, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was one of those where you're just like, uh, that, that's crazy. Um, and uh, one of those that things. Is, um, I, so, you can read too much into games, early games. Very true. Uh, may, have, may have read too much into those last year at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no doubt. But at the same time, I didn't see – I didn't see many mental breakdowns tonight uh, on defense. Uh, you and I talked about the communication. Did did you see anything that just came out glaring to you? I thought maybe they got crisscrossed on a on a, um, a route, a leak route by the the running back that the the Sorrell actually created the sack. I think mm -hmm. that may have been a touchdown that that uh, Sorrell helped out on there. But um, yeah. otherwise, because uh, Overshone got got kind of uh, picked off on a pick route kind of. 
but the, the idea there for you, I guess, is what's too much for us to take away and what's not enough? What what can we really take away versus, uh, you know, stow away for, hey, we need to think about that next time? Um, listen, it, it, it's a great opening game for Texas. All right. I don't want to be negative about it at all. It's a great opening game. But I remember these games. Right. These are the games. This is Kansas when I played in, in the Big 12 back in the day. This is when we play, I don't know, some non-conference school of the deaf or blind or something like that. And I don't, obviously I'm just joking there, but you get my point. I get you, the, the practices that you have at Texas are much harder than this game. They should be. And they probably are for Sark and the staff. So the truth is, we love the game. It was a great game. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, but Chris Rock has a great skit uh, and a great bit about, you know, people want credit for stuff they're supposed to do, right? Uh, I take care of my kids. Uh, I ain't never been to jail. Um, I ain't, I, I'm, I'm never late for work. Well, you ain't supposed to be late for work. You're supposed to be on time for work. You want credit for that? You're supposed to take care of your kids. You want credit for that? Well, you're supposed to beat ULM, a team that hasn't beaten a Power 5 team in 10 years. And their average margin of, I think, defeat has been 34 points. You're supposed to beat them 52 to 10. So, yes, congratulations. You did what you were supposed to do. Bama's next week. Bama is the ultimate test. So it's great they did what they were supposed to do. I don't know if we should applaud them too much because I'm, I'm I'm on the Chris Rock bandwagon, but you don't get credit for that. That's something you you should supposed to do and just go about your business. Um, but yeah, I mean, the truth is the third string guys on Texas are better than most of the players they were playing against today against ULM. If you just want to know my real opinion about it, that's just true. No, that's true. I, I would say, and I'm trying, trying to be kind here, um, except for the second team offensive line. <laughs> um really they did not, they did not play well okay. and, and as a unit they did not play well um it was an immediate difference uh when they and, and you know it's not to be they're younger even than than the uh the first team line uh but i tell you what uh you know that was probably the one position out of all of them i was like okay there's a drop between first team and second team you're right. They they start they're starting to build some depth in the secondary. They're building yeah. some depth. They built some depth depth at linebacker. Believe it or not, I mean, David Benda's running second and slash third team based on snap counts today. Jet Bush got more, I think, uh, than he did. And so, um, I, I feel like you're you're right about the the depth building part and about it being more difficult. I don't know, Rod, and I, I'd like to get your feeling on it. Is you know. At what point do you worry about the offensive line? If you're picking nits of the second team offensive line in the first game, it's probably overboard, right? Uh, the first, the first team, I think they had one. They gave up one sack uh, mm-hmm. of Quinn, maybe a couple hurries. I don't know, but it kept him pretty clean generally. Yeah, but they didn't. You know, Sark is a big game hunter, right? By nature. What I mean by that is he wants big plays. Uh, that's why he talks about he hates stop routes. He wants his wide receivers to catch the ball on the move. And he ideally would like 
via play action pass or via RPO tax hit either those, what do you call those glances downfield. And there were a couple of those uh, in the game, not as many as he would like, or those deep rainbow crossers from play action passes. And if he doesn't have the protection, you can't do that. What I love about Quinn Ewers is go watch him. He slides in the pocket. He does he likes to slide, move around in the pocket, and he buys himself a little bit more time. And I think Sark likes that. And, you know, with Hudson Carr, when he went in there, just like you said, the, the, the second-team offensive line did not really allow him for that. But also I think Hudson Carr's pocket presence, probably not – he's not as comfortable um, as Quinn is uh, when the pocket collapses. And I think that is also kind of part of the overall evaluation. Listen – what I think about the offensive line is simple. I don't trust it first team or second team. I'll just say that. I thought if you're going against ULM, you'd be able to get the ball downfield more. Um, and that really wasn't the case. Hell, even Quinn sometimes was under pressure and under duress, so he clearly couldn't do it. So maybe the quick game is something that Sark needs to emphasize. Quick game, quick game, quick game. Get the ball out of his hands. Get him in the rhythm. He seems to be really good in the intermediate and short passing game. Right. So get that going, get his confidence up, get him into a groove. And also that'll help insulate pass protection with the offensive line. And that'll frustrate defensive uh, coordinators and they'll decide to kind of present other ways or blitz Quinn Ewers, which will open up other avenues, open up other passing windows. So I think the quick game is probably the best way to go for Quinn Ewers or even Hudson Card, second or first team offensive line. If you're looking at how to remedy the pass protection issues they have because they're going to be in my opinion present all year long there's no way to avoid them when you got a young offensive line like that i i I tell you what um rod the other thing i want to mention this uh, we're talking about the passing game a little bit uh casey kane had a nice play shook a tackler um i in troy omir came back after two acls gets a catch tonight that was nice to see um but i think the other thing that with yours is he throw you're right. He throws a really nice touch ball on the short stuff too, mm-hmm. and that gives those guys a little bit. He, he doesn't have to really do a full set to throw the short ball, and so he can get it out quicker, right? Yep. And yeah. even though it looks like it's feathered, and so it's actually feathered a little bit better than what Hudson Card did a year ago, or even Casey Thompson. It's a great um, point. Yeah, and so it gives those it gives those guys on the edge a little bit more time to work. Um, and Casey Kane used that to his advantage. Uh, tonight he did. On that, it it was just a little split second, too. Just a little second. You're right. That's all it was. That, that, that's all it takes, though. I mean, yeah. you, you put you're putting that that corner uh, who's already on an island that is smaller than Casey Kane. I mean, he started grabbing at ankles. Yep, it's and, the ball placement. That ball, the ball placement is where they can. What does Sark call it? The run to daylight philosophy. He wants the ball placed for the wide receivers so they can catch the ball and run to daylight. And I think Quinn Ewers does a really good job with his ball placement. And he throws some weird body positions. He seems comfortable with it, which most quarterbacks wouldn't be. Yeah, I I, I think he's good. All right, I want to take some questions from the audience now. Are you good with that, Rod? You, you think we've talked enough about it? You have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, All right, let, let's do I'm good. I do like the fact that Sark went for fourth down three times, I believe it was, right? Did he go for fourth down a lot? Okay. I've said before, I want to see the most aggressive Steve Sarkeesian I've ever seen. And I like the fact that he's going for it on fourth down. When you got this kind of talent, a fourth and one, uh, depending on where you are on the field, should be a no-brainer. Pretty much. Every, all year long. 
Yeah, so he was one of four, I think. Yeah, they they did not. He didn't shy away when he was in plus territory. Exactly. Um, I, uh, the one thing I would also say, I loved uh, one of the best passes of the night. Just seemed so simple to, to yours was the the route, the stop route to Jordan Whittington on the sideline to end the half and to end the first uh, half. It did. It, I know this sounds so silly, but he made it look like it was easy, and that's that was a long throw that wasn't that easy. That yeah. was the op- that was an opposite hash throw, Rod. Yeah. Exactly. Even though the corners were dropped ten yards back from there, that's still that that's that's a hard stuff. Let let's let's take some questions uh, from everybody and and try to get some more people involved uh, and and really start asking this. Did anyone we we talked about this? Did anyone catch a ball that Watts was covering? Was he a shutdown corner? I want to take that. I'm going to have you lead if you remember if he caught one. I want to say this about Ryan Watts. He played some run defense. I don't know if you saw that yeah. a couple times. He swallowed some guys against the run. He even, you know, when they went empty, when they had nobody on his side, he lined up almost like an outside linebacker type. Yeah. He doesn't look out of place as a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Physically, he's pretty, pretty stout. Yeah, on that, what they call it, got the nub side where they would just yep. have, you know, either a tight end or just uh, that tackle there. And he'd still be playing either zone on that side. And he, you're right, man, he would come and run support. Um, so I'm really happy with that. He's playing, you know, that, uh, is he playing the boundary corner? Yeah. Yes, um, he's the boundary. So yep. they, want, they want him to basically disrupt the wide receiver as much as possible. Um, and you saw him get down. They played a little bit more zone than I thought they would play, but they're make no bones about it. They want to play man and they want to play press man. And they don't really even care if people know they're playing press man. So I do want to see him become one of those elite press corners where he can press in almost any situation or circumstance, reroute whoever that wide receiver is, especially if it's a single wide receiver to that boundary side. I'd like to see him lock that guy down. I think that's fair. Um, what area do you think you guys think needs the most work besides punting? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love um, it. No, Scott, it. Scott, you're yeah. not wrong. First of all, as long no, as no, you know that's punting. easy. That's easy. After watching the first game, that's easy. The deep ball, the deep ball needs work, baby. It was terrible last year, and so far in this game, they try. You know, Sark, I'm glad Sark tried it early. My point was, if you can't try the deep ball against ULM and can't complete it. It's going to be tough to compete against anybody. They tried it. They just weren't that successful. So still, there's something off about the deep ball. Quinn Ewers, you know he's got that great touch. You know the offensive line, there may be pass protection issues, um, timing, chemistry, all those things. The deep ball, I think, is something Sark still wants to be able to threaten the uh, defense with and use as a another force multiplier. And right now, it just doesn't seem to be there just yet, just right now. I, I would agree with that. I also think that ULM was – playing deep with the safety. Um, so every time they went, so every time they went to it, he was, he was, it would have had to been a perfect pass. Uh, yep. So, you know, I, I think that that's part of it. Uh, the way the secondary plays them, they weren't giving much there, Rod, just from being, you know what I mean? You can see that um, they were, they were trying to play that, hoping that Sark would try to go for too much. Uh, yep. I think. All right. Hey, this one, uh, how did Banks Hudson look tonight? I uh, I watched them both. Um, Kelvin Banks is special, is my initial take. The left tackle, and I tell you what, when he went down, 
I think it was early in the third quarter, late second quarter, and he got it. He ended up, it ended up being his foot got stepped on. But man, I I thought, oh no, you don't want that guy to go down because his first game thus far had been tremendous. I mean, just tremendous for a true freshman. I don't care who he was going up against. You know what I mean? It could have been the third team guy. He was still in ha- having a hell of a game. Uh, Cole Hudson looked really good in the run game, and he looks uh, he looks chippy. And what I mean by that, you remember how Casey Studded Studded used to yeah, play? Yeah, man, I talked to Studded all, all the time, all, all the time, every week. I talked to Studded. Yeah, but that's what it reminded me of a little bit. I go, I go, okay, this guy plays. He's if somebody's just standing there, he's not going to let him just stand there. He's going to go hit him. He's going to he's move. Yeah, and, and yeah. so how did they look tonight? I don't know about I don't know about you guys. What did you think? I mean, I, that I felt I felt like they those two played particularly well at times. Yeah, I've I, I've heard enough uh, from folks I know and watched Kelvin Banks enough. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's to start at left tackle <laughs> at a Power Five program as a true freshman. Um, that is rare. I don't care where you are across the country. That's just really really rare. Um, so yeah, yeah, obviously that guy is on next level. He's got a Sunday skill set starting early. But I'm with you. The nasty is what people want to see from the offensive line. They want to see an attitude. The offensive line, you know, stutters. So he talked about stutter. I'll give you a great stutter line. Stutter always says football is a fight. It's a 60-minute fight, and they're going to let you fight. And it's the first time you can fight, and they're not trying to take you to jail or you get in trouble for it. He said, so you got to treat it like that in between the whistles. And that's, you know, that's what he's about, man. He's about a fight. And I think the offensive line, if you're going to have a fight, I'd rather the big uglies, the big humans, those are the guys who should represent me in kind of a street fight. And they need to have that mentality. So these guys seem to have that nasty, mean mentality that Stuttered used to have back in the day. Hopefully that is infectious with the whole group. Gotcha. Um, Postscape show is brought to you by uh, accomplished Austin realtor, Laura Baker. Uh, Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Thank you, Laura, uh, for your uh, support of the On Texas Football and Inside Texas postgame show. Uh, Rod, a couple more things uh, for you. Uh, did you. What did you think of the man-to-man coverage tonight on defense? Uh, they, didn't, they, they didn't play as much exclusive man-to-man as I thought they would. I think because the game was out of hand. I think at one point they realized ULM's no threat. And I think they didn't play the aggressive man-to-man I thought they would. Remember, they played some bail cover. They were playing bail. I think they played some bail quarters coverage, too, as you go watch um, in some of those clips. So I I think that they had the ability to do it. I think against Alabama, you're going to see them play a lot more aggressive man-to-man coverage. Um, But, you know, it's not going to be all man-to-man. They're going to mix in some zone coverage. I think what Sark wants to do specifically is on predictable passing downs for them to be able to lock teams down and play man-to-man coverage and put an extra man in the box. Uh, but they want to play press man, and that's the key. Um, so last year they played man-to-man coverage at times, but they were they were a, it's a passive man-to-man coverage. This year they want to get up in guys' face. They did a little bit, but I didn't think ULM presented enough of a threat to see if they truly have perfected that technique of getting their hands on guys and rerouting guys. Yeah, I, I think that I totally agree with you. Um, it's one of those situations where until you see it, Rod, and they play probably a better passing team, you're exactly. not going to really know where they're at right now. And 
they, they've got a they've got a guy coming in next week in Bryce Young that's a precision uh, type passer that I think people uh, need to be uh, right out there and, and aware of. Um, I want to ask you this question and see what you think of it because I, I felt like this was a good one and it leads into something else uh, that I think is valuable to talk about the push up front. What did you think of not only Byron Murphy but the interior of the defensive line? Uh, it looks strong, um, which is like I said against ULM. To make sure we preface everything by saying that I thought it looked strong. I think the fact that the defensive line was able to collapse the pocket multiple times, okay, like we talked about, they got two sacks. And I know that wasn't that wasn't the interior D line. That was you know Brian Sorrell with the two sacks, and then Keandre Kerbin getting another sack as well. Uh, but I thought they did a good job pushing the pocket and resetting the line of scrimmage. I mean, I think they averaged what was it two yards per carry in the running game. Um, so the defensive line looked pretty stout up front, but once again, I don't think it was a real test for that interior D line. Um, I do think they'll, obviously they'll be tested next week, but I think for ULM, I mean, I'll give you a stat about ULM that just blew me away when I was doing research on them. They've only had four times in the last 23 games where they've averaged over four yards per carry. That that running game, it, it, if they were close to averaging four euros per carry versus Texas, I told people you need to be freaking out. That is a terrible running game, really bad. So you did what you were supposed to. You dominated a really subpar running game, and they averaged two point two euros per carry. So yes, they were really good, and I think and I do believe Byron Murphy can be an every down player on the defensive line. Sounds like Sorrell can be an every down player on the defensive line. So if you got two guys you can consider every down players on the D line. That's better than where they were last year. They weren't there last year. They did not have any players that I considered every down players on the defensive line last season. And if you got two of them already, hell man, we already, that's half the battle. <laughs> um, I'm looking at one of the things that I thought was interesting. Uh, probably the worst stat for the defense out of all of them last year uh, was not even the rushing uh stats or they were a hundred plus in the country uh, in rush defense. My most disappointing stat last year was third down defense. Um, it, it was, I mean, they, they ranked 101 in the country a year ago. Um, yeah, this, this really bad, right? Um, tonight, uh, ULM finishes six of 16. The quarterback for ULM was not a bad quarterback. No. Um, it, you know what I mean? He was capable. He had, He'd seen some live fire, and you could tell it, uh, especially early. Uh, then they got behind so bad, and to your point, their run game was so minimal that he they had nothing but for him to sit there and try to to throw bullets downfield. Um, I thought they did a better job of getting off the field, um, just point blank. Uh, only one time, uh, and someone else mentioned this in the chat already, five penalties for 25 yards on the team tonight. For the first game, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's a fairly clean game, even though the opponent, to your point, is not what many people think. It's a it's a pretty strong deal. What I think also, Rod, um, as, as we think about that, um, if they can if they can get them out of if they can get folks out of sync a little bit and not be third and three and make it third and five and third and seven. The defense has a lot better chance because there's yep. not as many two way goes. Right. And, and to that point, I really – I not only do I think the, the defensive front, what we were talking about with uh, Byron Murphy, but also with 
Tucker Dorsey and Jalen Ford. The three-yard runs were three-run three-yard runs tonight. They weren't five and seven. Last year, I think a lot of guy a lot of runs that should have been three yards ended up five and seven, even though the hole was plugged. Yeah, I thought those guys did a good job of getting guys to the ground uh, almost immediately after. You know, and and that's that kind of stuff matters. I'm gonna this one next. This next one's for you, Rod, because he is what what, what <laughs> well. You guys used to be the Lamar what now? What was oh, your old? Oh, yeah. I used to call them the Lamar, uh, basically like the Washington racial slurs, but they were the Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> now they're You're, Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah. Now the, the, the Lamar Redskins, formerly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lamar. Uh, Rod is a graduate there. Uh, also, Deshaun Jameson, the graduate of Houston Look Lamar. DB high, baby. Uh, we DB high. Yep, yeah. there you go. And uh, <laughs> Rob, what you think of his play tonight? Uh, I, you know what, he's he's a playmaker, right? They're saying it about Deshaun Jameson. He's a playmaker. I love the fact that Jeff Banks put him inside on the punt block unit. He basically put him uh, right there in the A gap. Him and Rojo, I believe, were right there, uh, and he ended up getting the block punt. Uh, also, a guy that ended up returning punts tonight. I don't think he broke one, but you know he will break one at one point. And then he got the pick six. That's what I love about Deshaun Jameson, man. You're a playmaker. Just go make plays. And last year, what happened to Deshaun Jameson, in my opinion, he gave up more plays than he made. And Deshaun Jameson, you're a playmaker. You can't do that. You can't give up more plays than you make. You're a play. Now you, I'm not saying you can't give up plays. We're all human. Hell, Robbie gave up plays. But I made more plays than I gave up. And as a DB, as I was a DB coach, that's my only rule. You can't give up more plays than you make, man. If you're going to give up, you're going to give up some. And you got to go make some. Trevon Diggs, ultimate example, right? He gives up a lot of plays. Man, he makes a lot of plays. <laughs> so that's my thing about Deshaun James. As long as you're making plays, hey, man, you are – you make it – you basically – you are earning your way on the field. Um, and I think that in this game is a prime example of it. In different ways, he found a way to make plays for the team. I love Deshaun. I think it's a guy that can end up, you know, playing in the NFL if everything goes right for him. Um, but he's got to prove that he can be consistent. Last year, he regressed, let's be honest. This year, love the start. And I've been hearing in training camp – He's been the playmaker, not or Michael Irvin playmaker, but making plays. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair. All right, let, let's take a step back um, and talk about something else right now. And that is wh where I think Texas probably, uh, where you and I need to look at it. Um, who do we think were our players of the game on offense and defense? Well, offense is easy. That's that's Bijan or JT Sanders. I haven't even looked at Bijan's numbers. I don't even need to look at Bijan's numbers. I just need to, need to watch Bijan. I know he's a, you know what I mean? Like my 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 new model for 2022 is put some Bijan on it. Anytime the offense is off the rails or something is off or somebody's having a bad game, just that means more Bijan needs to be added to the offense. You add more Bijan to the offense, it's always a good thing. Bijan's like bacon. More bacon, more is better for the whole dish, whatever the hell it is. All right. Bijan just works. So I'm not worried about them being able to manage the game this year. I'm not really worried about the offense going off the rails. If you just give the ball to Bijan in creative ways, that offense will work. All right. Everybody will get in the groove. So Bijan, number one, and then JT Sanders, number two. I, and if I had, I go Quinn, number three. But man, JT Sanders, that is, that's big. The, the, the tight end position has been an endangered species on the 40 acres for like, for like 15 years. And this guy in the first game of the season leads the team in receiving. 
as a five-star you know project or athlete oh man yes please i'm here for it jt sanders my player of the game Bijan, he'll win player of the game for the next eight nine games give it to jt sanders our offense <laughs> all right i gotta say this because we need to re recap the stats real quick uh Bijan ended up with 10 10 carries for 71 yards he also uh had three three receptions for 40 so he ends over over uh 100 yards that's seven. Hey, seven yards carry is pretty, pretty stout <laughs> right now. JT Sanders leads the team in reception, six for 85 yards, like uh, one touchdown. Uh, Bijan did have uh, one touchdown rushing, one touchdown uh, receiving. That's well. perfect. So B is Bijan, Bijan offensively. Then JT. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think that Sanders made some key plays, though, he and um, also made. I don't know if key is necessarily the word is timely, like the couple third down catches, right? Fourth and down yeah, fourth yeah, down. yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's my point. Um, he also made somebody miss. Uh, Quinn hit him short of the sticks tonight on a third or fourth down, just barely, like yeah. a yard short. And JT Sanders made him miss. Yes. Just, just enough. And I thought to myself, I like, like Cade Brewer was a total good teammate. At, at Texas, right? Uh, but to your point, I, I think that Cade Brewer may have been caught short of the first down on that. No question. And, and yes, you, you get my point. Yep. And JT Sanders, a little bit better athlete, ended yep. up making about four or five extra yards instead of getting caught right at the chains, right? Yep. Um, and so I, I agree. I, I would go with JT Sanders just because, to your point, we're going to hear a lot of Bijan Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, right? All right, let, let's go to, let's go to defense. All right, um, you know, yeah. knowing what you know, who was the player of the game? Yeah, it's hard. <clears throat> Obviously, hard not. The demo is in the conversation with the was it eight tackles? I believe two tackles for loss to demo. Uh, hell, man, I guess it's Sean James has got to be in the convo. I haven't seen his entire stat uh, sheet, but with the pick six, that's a big play. I liked. Um, Man, like I said, I, I can't just give it to Jalen Gilbo, but I just said I like the young man. I like the way he played, like the way he looked, energy early on, had big hits. So I think De DeMarvin Overshawn is probably the guy. It's probably Demo. If I'm looking at yeah. over. But uh, Brian Sorrell, you know what? Give it to Sorrell. I say Sorrell. No, I'll take Demo. I know people want to give it to Demo. I'm going to give it to Sorrell. I know I want, yeah, I know we love Demo, but you're talking about the sack leader last year had two and a half sacks. Pressure was the biggest issue for Texas last year. They were 108th in pressure rates, and this young man now steps up. We're asking for somebody to become a war daddy on D-line. He's like, hey, I'm right here, dude. Two damn sacks. And his dad, his dad predicted he'd have two sacks in the first game. Oh, it's Brian. Oh, it's Sorrell. It's Sorrell. No doubt. It's Sorrell. No question. Sorry, Demo. You'll be you'll get it again, Demo. We'll get it I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Overshun. And, okay. and and I, I I understand what you're saying because I think that he may have uh, Sorrell may have made more big plays, especially those sacks. But I felt like Overshone got used in a way that uh, is certainly more conducive to his talents. Yeah, that's and true. Putting him putting him where he's in more of a chase mode or get to the quarterback type type mode is totally different. It's just that he is not an inside linebacker. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, right? Um, but can I ask you boy, can I ask what's you that? Something? Can I ask yeah. you a question? Yeah. You think that's GP or PK? Oh, I think it was PK. I, I definitely think they wanted to do that 
I, I definitely think it was uh, PK. Okay. They wanted to do, and I, I don't think it was even. I don't even know necessarily that it was PK as much as it was Sark. Okay. Um, right. uh, that's even better. I would they like got, that. They got caught in a situation last year, Rod, where they had no pass rush at all, and they looked around the room and said, "Who could help?" <laughs> that's yeah. that's what I think. And yep. instead of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, uh, it was it. They they went to the off season before Patterson even came in there. They were recruiting guys, but the, I think they are, but also because being a true inside linebacker is not what DeMarvin Overshone needs to be doing. No. Nope. Not if you have guys like Jalen Ford and DeMonte Tucker-Dorsey who can fit the run. Yep. Agreed. If right. you didn't have those guys, then let's talk about it, right? No question. But they do have those guys, and I and I think that um, it, it's, it's one of those things. Um, Louisiana Monroe uh, goes down to the Longhorns tonight, 52 to 10. Uh, Texas takes a uh, Takes a, I wouldn't say a, it wasn't a like a beat down, no. Uh, but it was a it was a it was a, a resounding victory. It was a thorough win, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, really liked what I saw out of both sides of the ball. There are things to point to uh, for both of them, uh, and and just one of those things where I feel like uh, if we if we don't uh, if they don't happen, if that ends up a thirty eight fourteen. Or 35-13 game. Yeah. Texas has left a lot of points on the four on the, on the <laughs> I totally agree with you. You, yep. you. you know what I mean? And that's that's yep. a real possibility. All right. Um just uh briefly, uh Rod, uh, another question I had for you is is more about surprises. Okay. Biggest surprise of the game. Anything that Ooh. just kind of kind of stopped you in your tracks a little bit. That is good. Biggest surprise of the game. Well, okay. Honestly, it was that, um, you know, we didn't see more out of X-Man um, and like, you know, feature X-Man because, you know, he's, you build your offensive identity around proven commodities, uh, Bijan, proven commodity, uh, X-Man, proven commodity. And those were kind of the two, Isaiah Nayora, he was a proven commodity, but he went down. Those were the two, building blocks of the offensive identity and you didn't see more of it but i think for sark there was there was no um urgency really to feature him right it'd be different if oh man say like you said it was a close game say it was like man it's a little too close it's only 21 21 7 or something like that late in the second half all right we got to feature our playmakers there really was no need for it so that's why it doesn't it doesn't bother me i'm not concerned with it but i'm a little surprised that we didn't get you know some really, and I, they tried to force feed him the football, yeah. Right? But it, it, he wasn't schemed open to it a certain extent. That was a little surprising, but it there wasn't to me a, a lot of surprise. They played a lot of guys, and Sark said they're going to play a lot of guys. Um, so not a lot of surprises in my opinion, which is a good thing. I don't want to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt, I felt the a couple things uh, uh, based on just it, both on defense for me. One was. I'm not so sure that Jalen Gilbo isn't the starter over Jade Barron, regardless of injury. Okay. I that would not surprise me if that's the case, um, because Gilbo may be a little bit, to your point, he may be a better decision or quicker decision maker, and that may be what they want out of that spot. Could be wrong next week. We could t- Jade Barron could come back and and be be there. Uh, the second piece, 
for me was the use of Ethan Burke um, in those odd, odd fronts in the second half. I just, I never thought I would, I looked out there and I'm like, why is he playing in the middle of defense three yards back? And then it was just, it was pretty, pretty clear. He was a spy. He's spying the quarterback in the second yeah. half. Yeah. They were rushing three. And I'm like, that's different. Um, and you know what? You know what's also different is that's a guy, and I, I go back to that Arkansas game last year, where that KJ Jefferson is hard. He's a hard guy to tackle, right? Yeah, man. Yep. You you get a guy like Ethan Burke that can do that. I think that I think that there's some there's some value to have a big guy like that that can move like that that, that can still take down a quarterback. Um, and a, another, to be fair, also a, a, a poster on the chat here just. Uh, mentioned it, Rod, and I agree with them. And that is uh, the reality that that the tight ends overall were a surprise. I mean, they they had some good plays. No, no question. But listen, I, I totally agree with that. By the way, but Sark has always told us that tight end is the most important position in his offense behind quarterback. We just never believed him. We just <laughs> we were like, Sark, I don't see that. You keep saying that, but that's I don't see that when I watch your offense. And this is like the first game, honestly, and it may be late last year out of necessity where the tight ends actually do seem like they are really featured in the offense. So they're right. It, it was a surprise. But if you listen to Sark, what did he say during the, during the offseason? The most improved player was who? JT Sanders. JT Sanders. Yeah. The best hands on the team was who? JT Sanders. He kept trying to tell us, like, no, no, I like this guy, man. I like this guy. So I think Sark was trying to give us hints about JT Sanders. We kept hearing about him. Um, so you're right about that. It was a big surprise. And one thing to add on to what you said, too, about Ethan Burke, what I like about the way they utilized him, I would love for this defensive staff to start, and it seems like they are, because DeMarvion Overshone is another example of using guys specifically you know, uh, based on their skill sets, not just trying to push them into a role of formatted already within the framework of the defense. I like, know if this guy's a, if he's a unicorn, let's use him like a unicorn. If he's a freak, let's put him out there and let's let them do freaky things. Like why pigeonhole these guys when they have these really wild, crazy skill sets in a, this is what Oklahoma state has done a really good job of this, but they, but they play these hybrid positionless football players that's basically, I think, the future of football. So you have these guys where you can move around the chessboard. Why not? Because all you're doing is confusing the opposing quarterback. He's going, well, that guy was a defensive end. Why the hell is he standing up? Coach, we didn't study this. Coach, whoa, 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 what's going on here? That's all you're doing, man. This is a chess match. So I love that idea of using these unicorn-type skill sets with players and just moving them around the chessboard. Shows the creativity of the defensive staff. I like it. Yeah, I did too. I, I want to mention uh... – also, Justice Finkley got some action. Jamon yeah, Tapp. Yeah. Another he looked freshman. pretty good. <clears throat> yes. I thought active. Both of them very active. Hey, yeah. Justice Finkley has a really strong punch. Uh, he, he held off a guy with a tackle. Unlike Ovia Gofu, who still plays around the tackle some, instead of through <laughs> the tackle, Justice Finkley tries to play through the tackle, which I think uh, is, a, is a big thing uh, in, in today's run game. I uh, want to say thank you again to um, Laura Baker. Mm -hmm. Uh, she is the uh, Austin realtor who is sponsoring our post game show. Uh, she's with Keller Williams uh, and the Andy Allen team. There's her number 512-784-0505 or Laura at AndyAllenTeam.com. She'll handle all of your real estate needs 
uh, in uh, the Austin area. Uh, and uh, there at Keller Williams as well. Uh, Rod, um, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, look a little bit forward for me now. You got the big boys coming to town. Yeah, you do. Uh, what do you What do you tell your team when you really get back at it on Monday? Uh, oh man, um, I mean, game day's coming to town, right? And game day coming to town now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the biggest game of the college football weekend on the biggest stage. I mean, Bobby, you should. The, the truth is, you really shouldn't have to tell these guys anything. If you got to pump these guys up for this game, you got the wrong guys in that locker room. <laughs> this is the game. This is why you came to Texas. This is it. This is why you came to University of Texas to play what some people are saying is the best team Nick Saban, the GOAT, has ever had. You have a chance to test yourself against the best team potentially in the country. That is a blessing. That's a beautiful thing, right? You're trying to rebuild Texas football. You're trying to rebuild the culture of it, right? You're trying to bring it back to the standard that not only a championship standard. Hell, when I was playing at Texas, we won 11 games two years in a row. We were a disappointment. That's the standard. Chris Sims is a bum. And he won 11 games in Longhorn fans. That's the standard, baby. That's what we're trying to get to. And you get to test that. You get the ultimate, you get the ultimate barometer where you get to play Bama and Nick Saban. I love it. And you shouldn't really have to get these guys pumped up. They should you should have the best practices of the year this week. And every guy who wants to play in the NFL, and by the way, that's every guy who's got a scholarship on that roster, even the guys that don't got scholarships on that roster, they want to play in the NFL. This is the game. All the scouts are going to be there because they want to watch Bama. If you go out there and show up against Bama, if you go beat that guy that's supposed to be a first-round pick and win against him, they're going to write your name down and go, well, I got to start watching this dude. This guy, this guy, Babers is a hell of a player. That guy's a Dale. He's going to play on Sundays. This is your shot. You want to play on Sundays? You show up in this game. That's it. That's it. Uh, uh, hey, I've got some stats for you. Texas gave up 259 yards total offense a year ago. Now, granted, this is a different level offense that they're playing. A year ago, Texas averaged giving up 425 yards. That's a 175-yard difference, roughly. Yep. Right. Um, Scoring defense, not even going to talk about that because that scoring defense a year ago, they were giving up 31 points a game. They gave up three tonight or 10 tonight. Excuse me. Uh, Rush defense was where a big one was Uh, a year ago. Texas was ranked 114th in the country, giving up 201 yards tonight, uh, rushing 40 on 41 attempts, Rod, 92 yards. That's that's not bad. Right. Um, that, that's what you're talking about. These they were not expected to be a um, uh, a heavy or a good running team. But the Longhorns made a lot of very average run teams look like good run teams last year. Exactly. Yep. And exactly. another one, uh, just looking at the stats, uh, Sark all year preached turnovers, all offseason preached turnovers, uh, one uh, one apiece. So they're even. Uh, they they got the pick six. Uh, I guess they don't count the. Uh, <laughs> there's Rod wanting me to get getting me wanting to suit up again. I love it. Um, you don't count the the pick pick six and then Quinn's first or second throw was an interception. Th- those kind of uh, offset 
But if you really include uh, Deshaun Jameson's punt block and Keelan Robinson's touchdown off of it, I think you'd probably give the that that edge to Texas. Um, yeah, I, I like I like where Texas. I mean, a pretty, you know, pretty equal offense. Uh, Twenty nine attempts in the air. How many? How many, uh, how many rushes did Texas have tonight? Twenty nine. Uh, oh, look at I, that! Look at that! Right 29, yeah. 29 attempts through the air. Twenty nine rushes. That's that's Steve Sarkeesian. Right? That's that's yeah. that's the balance he wants, and it's reflected in his best players. You know, productivity and his best play, best players' usage. Right? You talked about it with What do you have? Ten rushes for seventy one yards, but the four catches for thirty one somewhere around there. I mean, that's 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 what you want from Bijan, right? I don't necessarily want Bijan overused as a running back. You know, uh, constantly. I mean, he's such a great receiver. You got to figure out different ways to hide him and scheme him open. And I love the way they're starting off with it. So I, I, I saw everything I needed to see. This is just the beginning, though. This is just a starting point for that offense and for the defense. And yeah, you get you got you go from zero to one hundred in, in week one to week two. Uh, and I love it. I think it's a great. I think it's a great way to start the season. I really do for Texas. It's a great way. And then you got a UTSA, UTSA game after that, and we know that's a damn good football team too. So I love the way they they schedule the start of the season because we'll know everything we need to know about Texas in two weeks. In, in, in the first two weeks of the season, we know everything we need to know. Can they run the ball? Can they truly pressure the quarterback? Can they cover man-to-man? Can they throw the deep ball? Is Quinn yours? you know what I mean, the guy to help Texas kind of get themselves back on the track and back to the standard of championship excellence? We'll know all that when we see them play Bama. We yeah. will. I You listen to Rod Babers and Bobby Burton and the On Texas Football uh, postgame show with Inside Texas or for Inside Texas. Um Rod, you know, uh, I want to bring up this one one comment real quick. Um, they said T- Tariq Milton was returning toward the end of the game, but I didn't see him at wide receiver. I did see him go in uh, at wide receiver. Okay. Yeah, he did. Uh, I saw uh, Brennan Thompson was in at a time. He also – I don't think he came away with, with a catch. Savion Red was Savion in. Red. He did have a I catch. Yeah. Um, Gabe Sulser, uh, the, the grad transfer from um, uh, Montana. Montana? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Too. He had a couple catches. So uh, the second team offense got a lot of run, uh, and I think that the defense rotated the twos a lot. They um, did. I saw yeah. Keaton Crawford in early, and all those yeah. guys. Jameer Johnson in early. Yeah, Keaton Crawford missed a tackle in open space, pretty bad. But it was his first time coming down. Uh, you know, first time all year he's seen live live bullets, um, and then. Uh, you know, I thought Jameer Johnson uh, played reasonably well. He had one catch over the top of him, but he was in perfect position. He um, was. He just didn't locate the receiver. He was behind yeah. him. I saw that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. But he was in good position inside out. Um, and so I, I felt like the defense, the offense um, stayed with the ones almost all the way through the first half and almost halfway through the third quarter and then started substituting frequently the defense yeah. substituted frequently early and often you yeah, agree with I, that i do i think early on in the season and also i want to say that was partly for misinformation for alabama they because alabama they know that alabama it, you know knows texas personnel but 
they may not have fine-tuned it just yet. <clears throat> and I'm sure Texas, especially defensively, Texas wants to play a lot of guys um, to try to throw, I think, some of their personnel evaluations off. Um, I think in the Alabama game, you'll see much more uh, kind of finely tuned rotations of guys. Uh, you definitely won't see as many guys you saw in the ULM game. And think about it, even Sark offensively, he doesn't, for at least in his career, he hasn't liked to funnel usage to a lot of players. Tom Herman loved to do that. Tom Herman wanted to play Kai Money and everybody else at wide receiver. Sark isn't like that. Sark likes his three or four best guys, and he funnels usage to those guys. You know, I mean, force feeds them the football. So this is actually outside of the norm of what Sark likes to do during the season. And I think versus Bama, you'll just see a really tight, you're tighter rotations, tighter lineups for every position, period. I got to say this. I got to say this to East Eight. This is a quite. This is a comment. You would have liked to see more explosive runs against the opponent. I, I got to say, Bijan Robinson had seventy-one yards on ten carries. That's averaging seven a pop. And I don't really. I think what was his long rod? Fifteen or so. He had a twenty. He had a twenty yard, didn't he? I thought he Did had he? 20. I don't. I can't remember. I'm looking. Okay, right I gotta now. check. I thought he broke one. Just one. He didn't break. He didn't have many of those breakaway ones, but I thought he had one that he broke. Um, yeah. But I can be off about that. Jonathan Jonathan Brooks had a 19 yarder. Bijan had a 21 yarder. Roshan okay. had a 16 yarder. Okay, so um, he had yeah. one 20 plus yarder. Yeah, 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 that's fair. I, I can see where you're coming from, but I think that the seven to 12 yard gain was there a lot. Yeah, which that those. You know, you know as well as I do. Those those are pretty strong, you know. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's a good point about. Listen, I think that Sark was. I do. I, I really think Sark was using Bijan as a way to manage the game. I think he wanted his big concern was Quinn Ewers. I think he wanted to see get Quinn in the groove, see how Quinn reacted in different situations. I think the I think the descriptive plays were pretty much geared toward getting Quinn Ewers comfortable. And getting him in a rhythm, especially when he started out a little shaky with the interception and the, and the deep ball that was an incompletion, all that kind of stuff. I think everything was geared toward let's get because you, you know, Bijan is just I hate to say it, he's he's so money. It's just it's so easy to just give it to Bijan, and you know, even with bad blocking, hell, Bijan's going to get you. Even you hit him in the backfield, he'll get you three, four yards. Have you block it well, he's going to get you ten to twelve. All right, so I think Sark knows that and knows how good Bijan is, and he's all about this. I'm gonna use Bijan to manage the game. That's why Hudson Card get part didn't win this job too, because Hudson Card would have been a better game manager than Quinn Ewers. I totally believe that, but you don't need a game manager because Bijan manages the game. Hand it off to that guy; he'll keep the game managed for him. He'll keep everything on track and on schedule. And now it's about getting Quinn Ewers comfortable where he can be an elite playmaker for you. And I think they use Bijan just in that way. Right when they need to be, like you said, they need to be young. Put some Bijan on it. Quinn is trying to put some Bijan on it. We can't do that. Put a little Bijan on it. All right, you know what? Quinn, you is back in this group. He got seven in a row. All right, we're good here. So I really think that's how they were using Bijan tonight, which is why it wasn't, you know, hey man, Bijan, go take the game over for us. Like in you saw in sometimes last year where give it to Bijan every damn down and Bijan just carries the day. You didn't need that here. I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how else to say this. Um, question for you. Uh, Texas came out in this a couple times. We were wondering how many how many times they would use it, Rod. Uh, oh, the go-go offense. I don't know that no, it was man. necessarily the go-go as much as it was 
true two back looks, right? Yeah. You, you talked about that and what that does to a defense in a previous uh, video cast that you and I did. Mm-hmm. Um, what what did you you think they're going to run a little bit more two back set next week? No, there's no doubt. Uh, I think Sark is saving it. I do. I think he. I think he. Bijan has hinted that they're going to do it. I asked Bijan about it when we had him on the show, and Bijan says, "Oh yeah, we're definitely going to have more two tailback sets." Uh, I think he's keeping it away from folks because he didn't want to show it versus uh, ULM. I, you could get a ton of it versus Alabama. I'm not because it makes a lot of sense in terms of when you want to chip those defensive ends on your way out in pass protection. And you can do a ton of that, just helping a young Quinn Ewers. And you would have the safety blanket. You'd have the dump off, but you'd also give him time to look downfield. So I think you'll get a ton of that because you better be chipping Will Anderson and Dallas Hunter every damn time. And you can do that with Rojo and Bijan. So I think you will get a ton of that. They said they, they had some 21 personnel. So the way JT Sanders is playing, you may get 21, two, one, two back, one tight end because they want to keep him on the field because he's a playmaker. He's just that damn good with a Jay Witt and an X-Man out there with Rojo and Bijan as all your skill set, your skill position guys. There's a reason he brought uh, Brendan Marion in. He, number one, he's a great position coach, but also the innovator of that go-go offense. Triple option run game with a West Coast passing game, Sark's offense, West Coast passing game, and that's how they are compatible. And I think you're going to see it all throughout the year, no doubt about it. And I think versus Bama, he, he'll he be wise to unveil it if he's trying to knock off Bama. If he's not trying to knock off Bama, then save it for conference play. You want to knock off Bama, you're going to need that two that two tailback package. I, I agree. And I want Quinn Ewers to um, emerge uh, from Bama healthy <laughs> also. Yeah, uh, to your point about the chipping, they don't do a lot of two tight end. They're definitely going to do some two back stuff. Um, uh, I, want to, I want to take this one from Steven Taylor. Thoughts on why Malik didn't come in? I thought he was third string. It, uh, frankly, I think it's it, that has to do with redshirt stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, he is a third-string quarterback, but they, they only get four games now um, for the red shirt. That's more than they used to get when they used to get none uh, before yeah. you get your red shirt, shirt pulled. Uh, but I, I think that that is probably uh, part of the reason uh, for for that uh, situation with the Longhorns right now. Um, you know, let's talk about this, Rod. Question for you, and and I want to go. I want to ask uh, you about it. Because we talk about this stuff, and it doesn't get mentioned enough. Um, you're a defensive back. When there's an undermanned front, <laughs> and you're able to put more people in the secondary, how much harder does that make it on a guy like Quinn Ewers to be better? All right, yeah, to be a-, yeah. a light box. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is like why Sark actually mentioned Aaron Donald the other day when they were talking about pass coverage versus pressure. Uh, and the reason he brings him up is because the Rams famously, they employ a deploy a lot of light boxes. And they can because they have Aaron Donald. Light box basically means you have fewer defenders than they have blockers um, at the point of attack. And when you when you can do that, hell, man, you basically can devote resources to stopping, to basically outnumbering the the, the offense in pass defense. And that makes it, once again, going back to my point about a mathematical equation, <laughs> the other side can't solve. That's a mathematical equation that offenses can't solve. And Aaron Donald's up front, and you need to double and triple team him. So they have a light box up front, and yet they have 
uh, defenders on the back end um, that actually are plus one against you, and they have a Jalen Ramsey, right? So uh, obviously, Rams aside, it is really tough. That's why, you know, that's why Isaiah Nayor going down was big. Because not only do you have X-Man who can beat man-to-man coverage consistently, but you had Isaiah Nayor who could force uh, defenses to put a safety over the top. But then they also have to load the box against Bijan. You can't do that. So you have to pick and choose between one of those three. Um, now, Sark's got to find a way to force defenses. That's why I said throw the deep ball a ton this year early on so that you at least plant the seed of fear in the defense's mind, back those safeties of the defensive coordinator start telling those safeties, back up, guys, they're throwing the deep ball, back it up, back it up. Because if not, they're going to start creeping closer and closer to the line of scrimmage as the year goes on to stop Bijan. This is the way, this is the reality of it. And that's going to get to, and think about it, this is what something Sark wants to implement, the RPO game. And I didn't see a ton of it versus ULM. I don't know yeah. why. I want to see more of it. But he wants to be a run-pass option offense. He says we're an RPO-based uh, offense will take the run game when they give it to us. So he wants to run a lot of RPOs, but he hasn't run a ton of them when he's been here at Texas so far. I don't think he trusts his quarterbacks being able to manipulate the mesh point, also coming off it with off-platform throws, off-position throws, all those kind of things. But he's going to do it with Quinn Ewers because he has that kind of arm talent. But the one thing that can stop that is if defenses are creeping closer and closer to line scrimmage and they're flat-foot reading the quarterback. If, a, if they're flat-footed reading your quarterback on RPOs, like Oklahoma State did Texas last year, they're, they're moot. It don't even matter because I'm going to be right there ready to pick it off. So I think for Texas, that's why you got to get those safeties back. That's why that's why Jatavian Sanders is big. If he keeps running that seam, that safety will back up. That safety will not flat-footed read if he's got to worry about Jatavian Sanders in that seam route. And you can tag some of those RPOs with Jatavian Sanders up the seam and then a, a glance route on the backside or the front side with an X-Man. That's when you get nasty with it. And that's why I think he's he's why he say that's why I think right now you're seeing Sark feature Jatavian Sanders to try to present that type of you know uh, conundrum to the defense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. we've got a couple time for a few more questions here. I'm with Rod Babers. This is the Inside Texas on Texas Football post-game show, uh, brought to you by Laura Baker. Uh, Laura is with the Andy Allen team over at Keller Williams there in Austin. Uh, Laura can handle all of your real estate needs in the capital city. Uh, call her at 512-784-0505. Not tonight, by the way. Let her sleep if she's not watching the show. Uh, or email her uh, at Laura at the Andy Allen team, uh, dot com. We have time for a couple more special, a uh, couple more uh, uh, questions before we get going here. Also want to thank uh, Tex Moi uh, for his donation here tonight. Uh, as well as Bernsey uh, 116. Uh, thank you very much uh, for what you've done and, and what you're doing. Uh, I'm going to go to the boards now and take a few more questions. Uh, apparently, wait a minute. Is this true? This can't be true. Read this, Rod. Can you read that? Quinn got told during the game. No, that's not. No, that's not true. That's not real. That cannot be real. Parking and transportation, y'all are out of control now. All right, you know, UT, parking and transportation, y'all out of control now, man. That's it, okay? We can't, you know what? This, this, that's not true. Is this real? Are we serious? Yeah. I wow. think it's real, Rod. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, I can't I can't confirm it, but it's Quinn. It's definitely Quinn Ewers' Twitter handle, and so unless he got hacked, he was okay. towed. <laughs> we need, we're going to need Jay Hartzell. 
Uh, and we're gonna need CDC, Kevin L. Type. We need y'all to step in here, guys. This is this is out of control now. We they are there. This is a this is a power play. This is definitely a power play by UT Parking to try to show us who's in control. Wow, man. I I've been part I've been towed by UT police before. I've been uh, by, told by, by UT. <laughs> I've been towed and booted. Everybody has, but the QB one. Well, I would say honestly, Chris Sims once had his car towed and booted. So it, yeah, you're right. Honestly, maybe it's a rite of passage because I think it happened to Ricky Williams too. So QB one, oh. congratulations. Welcome to the club. <laughs> hey, hey, read this. We read this one. We don't need an indoor practice facility. We need a parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, you know uh, what? Oh, this is great. Bobby, I know what to do. UT parking. We can do like an NIL deal uh, related to you. It's like a, it, it could be like a, you know, a PSA, a public service announcement about UT parking. That's how you pay off your parking tickets. Boom. Done deal. We got this. We got this. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I, I think we all know that feeling and for it to happen on his first start oh, uh, of his young career at Texas. Uh, after he throws uh, through a pick, his second pass of the game. Uh, but after that, uh, he was pretty darn good. Finished 16 of 24 for 108. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. I had that wrong. 16 of 24 for 225 yards, two TDs, wow. uh, one interception, only sacked once. Um, and so I, I felt like he had a good control of the game once it got under him. And just like Sark talked about, he did not rod. He didn't get phased. He didn't lose himself in the moment, right? Yeah. It did. It did look like he was a little, little jittery out of the out of the box, but he didn't. He, you know, that's what. That's a good sign for te- for the future of Texas football. Even when he threw the pick, though, I you know I always said this about Casey. Casey was hard on himself when Casey Thompson made mistakes. Go watch Casey. Go watch his body language. Go watch him on the sideline. He was very hard on himself when he made mistakes. He even admitted that. He said he he was mad about some of the mistakes he made in the bowl game. He was really upset about that. Um, as a DB, we're taught short memory, Rod B. Whether it's a good or a bad play, forget about it and move on to the next one. Almost in a kind of robotic way, you do that. And for Quinn Ewers, I don't know if it's robotic. I don't know if it's that as so much. That's his disposition. Because even watching, he's kind of, you know, even he's low-key in the interviews. And they asked him what was his – x-man ability what was your what's your you know what's the thing you do as well if not better than everybody else and he said i'm i never get too high or too low i you know i I never get up i never get too far down i'm pretty even kill and i think that can be a very very good thing for a quarterback nick saban once had a great uh story about mac jones he said uh he was mocking mac jones as a young quarterback and he went up to mac jones he said mac you know what i don't even have to watch the end result of the play uh, after you throw the football. I don't even have to watch the end of it. I can just watch you. And watching you, I can already tell what the end result is because your body language is so bad. I can tell you if it was a completion. I can tell you if it was an incompletion. I can tell you if you messed up, if it was a bad read by you. I can tell if your teammate messed up. Based on all those reactions, I can tell just by looking at you. You see, I can tell you that's a bad thing. I shouldn't be able to tell all that by looking at you. I should be able to watch the play to know what the result is. He said, you need to fix your body language. And after that, Mac Jones started to fix his body language. But 
you're talking about Quinn Hughes who has that naturally, but naturally he doesn't get all flustered. He doesn't get all freaked out about making mistakes or about the big play. Even he made touchdown. He just went down about his business, gave his, went down to go congratulate his teammate. He didn't go crazy. I didn't see him losing his ish. He seemed to be pretty calm, cool, and collected. I like that about the young man. That seems to be a natural football trait for him. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that, look, it, it it was a good sign for Texas. Tonight was a good game uh, to get back in the win column after, you know, they had such a – they had a bad run at the end of last year, losing six of their last seven games uh, before coming back and beating Kansas State to, to finish out the season. Uh, they beat Louisiana Monroe tonight uh, soundly, 52-10. to 10. Couple, uh, One uh, special teams touchdown, one uh, pick six, so really – Offensively, offensive yeah, yeah, yeah. So, often it would have been 38 points the offense put up, which I think is is good. Uh, I felt like Louisiana Monroe and Texas both were trying to run clock in the second half, primarily, you, you know. And so, 38 points is not a not a bad gig uh, for the Longhorns tonight. Uh, all right, I think that Rod, you, you you've been uh, outstanding as always. We've tried to give y'all a, a good show here. Uh, at the On Texas Football Post Game Show with Inside Texas. Uh, we appreciate you. We'll be back next week. Uh, Rod will be here again. We have got to, next week. I don't know if we're going to be as happy. Or as, oh, man. As, <laughs> it's going to be a little hey, bit different. I'm, I'm keeping hope alive, baby, right now. If you're Sark in that locker room right now, you are about to pull off the greatest upset in college football history, baby. That's the mindset you got to have right now, baby. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the post-game show brought to you by uh, Accomplished Austin Realtor, Laura Baker. Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real, real estate expert. Uh, we do appreciate you guys, uh, just so you know. Uh, it's, it's fun talking with you guys, and it's fun – talking with the fans. I was out there at DKR tonight and I felt it felt good to be back uh, and football is back and the Longhorns in the wind column again. Uh, for Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been uh, on Texas football post game show uh, from inside Texas. Like Rod said there right there, hook them guys. Y'all take okay. care. All right.